Welcome back to another episode of News of the Week. Thank you so much for joining this episode of Independent Thought. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the podcast. If you are a subscriber, thank you for being subscribed. So we are going to talk about a couple different topics today. First, this is coming out on May 3rd. So I'm sure most of you have heard about, you know, what happened yesterday with the Supreme Courts and the potential overturning of, of Roe v. Wade. Um, we will definitely get to that subject that will be coming in after our break. Uh, but first, we are going to be talking about Ron DeSantis. That'll be the first little section here. Governor Ron DeSantis, Republican of out of Florida. We'll be spending our first segment talking about him. But before even that, I want to make a brief mention about the podcast and just say that our next season, season five, will be coming next week. So make sure that if you are not already, please subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss it. So, and if you don't know what subscribing means, hit the little follow button, plus sign, top right corner, if you're on Apple Podcasts. If you're on Spotify, click the bell. Spotify is terrible about reminding people that episodes are coming out. It's a thing. So first and foremost, Governor Ron DeSantis. He has been doing quite a lot down the state of Florida recently. The legislature has been doing a lot. He's been signing a lot of bills into law. I'm going to talk about what exactly has been being signed into law and what I believe it means for the future of, well, well, his future and our future. We're going to get to that in a little bit here. Uh, first and foremost, Governor Ron DeSantis has been pretty busy down in Florida. And if you are not familiar with him, I am going to basically a tell you what he's been up to the last few months. And if you've only caught a couple different things, I'm going to try to fill in some gaps that maybe you were unaware of. First and foremost, I'm going to talk about maybe a story you heard about, maybe a story you didn't hear about, was the fact that Florida has recently rejected 54 different math textbooks from the curriculum because of several reasons that they cite. One of them being social and emotional learning, which apparently... Uh, Governor DeSantis says has no place in math. Also, uh, for Common Core, which as somebody who left grade school before Common Core was implemented and saw some examples of it after high school, I have to say that not mad about people wanting to get rid of Common Core. You know, if, if, if we were just addressing that, but that's a different subject, we'll put that to the side for a second. Uh, main reason seems to be citing critical race theory, which for those of you who have listened to my previous episode on critical race theory, which came out in July of last year, you'll know exactly how I feel about critical race theory and all the BS conversations around it. If you're not familiar, uh, I recommend you go check out that episode because you should. For a brief summary, uh, here's my feelings on it. Um, systemic racism exists and trying to act as if it doesn't is asinine. That's my hot take. It's not even a hot take. Let's just be serious. So 70% of the math materials for 
uh, kindergarten through fifth grade were rejected. Now, it ended up being a total, as I said before, 54 different books. Now, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, math that's being, you know, coming, that's being like gone after right now. There's also other things that are being gone after in the sake of, you know, CRT. But before we get into other things that have been gone after for the sake of CRT, I have to do to point out one piece of irony, which is, you know, the last couple of years, a lot of people on the right have criticized people on the left who are saying that, you know, like, hey, maybe we should be doing away with, you know, these certain admission standards, because maybe some of them are a little bit unfair to people of color, you know, just given how education systems differ across the country, to where people on the right would talk about how like, the, they would, you know, kind of mischaracterize the conversation by saying, oh, the left is trying to claim that math is racist. And I, I just can't overlook the irony of now of the right trying to claim that math is racist. But we are going to go right off of that and just say that another thing that is going on right now is that DeSantis also passed what is called the Stop Woke Act. Now, I believe that these are very closely linked to his uh, rejecting of math textbooks. Here's the reason why. This law has, well, this law, the Stop Woke Act, prohibits workplace training or school instruction that teaches that individuals are inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. That's a key. We'll come back to that. That people are privileged or oppressed based on race, gender, or national origin, or that a person bears personal responsibility for and must feel guilt, anguish, or other forms of psychological distress over actions committed in the past by members of the same race, gender, or national origin. The law says that such trainings or lessons amount to discrimination. Okay. So let me try to get this straight. If you make a, if you make a training or a school instruction that teaches that there are systems in our country that can be oppressive or racist or sexist that that's considered discrimination? Okay. That doesn't make any sense. So, so here, here's maybe where I get hung up a little bit. I, I get hung up a lot of it actually, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus on one place in particular, whether consciously or unconsciously. Now, let, let me just play a game really quickly where I say to myself, like, let's just say that, you know, maybe, maybe these systems that are in place weren't actually designed to be oppressive, that they just accidentally became oppressive to people who weren't white. Let's just say that. Let's just say it was an accident. But now we have data that can definitively show that people who aren't whites are more affected by certain systems than people who are white. Let's just say that we have these things called numbers that can show that, for instance. Now it's considered discrimination to show data and make instructions and class and classroom, I guess, instructions that are based around this data that we have. That's considered discrimination, even though we can show it in charts. Okay, so 
irony is going to be a, a really consistent, you know, theme here. But tell me if I'm wrong, but isn't, you know, like Governor DeSantis and, and you know, a lot of Republicans in general constantly talking about things like freedom of speech and censorship and how the government has no place deciding what's facts and what is fiction? And what, aren't they all railing right now on President Biden's new what they're referring to as Ministry of Truth and the government apparently deciding what is and what isn't disinformation? Isn't this the government deciding what is and what isn't dis, you know like disinformation? Like the, the irony is is overwhelming here. But you know, it, it's not just here with the banning of math textbooks or this Stop Woke Act. Governor DeSantis, as I'm sure a lot of you have heard, is also put into play something that has been referred to as the Don't Say Gay Bill. I'm not sure what his actual name is. I think it's HB 1557 on parental rights bill, blah, 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 blah. We did two full debate panels on this on my YouTube channel. So there have been lots of thoughts thrown out to that. I highly recommend that you go out and check out those panels if you have the time, because I brought in about a dozen different people to talk about this subject. A lot of great conversation was brought out. So definitely check that out. But before we go a little bit further here, first, I want to play a clip that I got from the Tampa Bay Times, where uh, this reporter will speak about exactly what is in the Don't Say Gay Bill. And... I think it's very important just to know that this little clip of information. So let's just check out this clip really quickly. You may have heard about this bill on Saturday Night Live, where comedians said that it would mean that you wouldn't even be allowed to acknowledge that gay people exist. That's not accurate. Governor Ron DeSantis has also been talking a lot about this bill lately, and he said recently that it would prevent kids in grades third and younger from learning about any sexual topics at all. That's not what the bill says either. The most inflammatory framing came from the governor's press secretary, Christina Pushaw, who said it would prevent kids from getting, quote, groomed and being taught about sex. What the actual text of the bill says is classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. The State Department of Education would be the ultimate authority on what is appropriate for kids. If parents are unhappy about what their kids are being taught in school, they can bring their concerns to the district or file a lawsuit. That's it. That's the entirety of the bill language related to this topic. And of course, the fact that it's so short and offers so few specifics does create some ambiguity. Now, Republican lawmakers have said that the bill does not prohibit student-led discussions that touch on sexual orientation or gender identity, such as if a student mentions their same-sex parents as part of an assignment on their family tree. But lessons focused on those themes in K-3 through would be prohibited, although Republican lawmakers have acknowledged that those lessons already are not being taught, and they've said that it's mostly preventative. The part that stands out the most to me is the part at the very end where she says that Republican lawmakers in the state acknowledge that this isn't happening, but that they're doing this as a preventative measure. Show me an example of virtue signaling for a thousand, because that's exactly what this is. You know, so you are going through and making this big fuss and creating a law for something that doesn't exist. That doesn't make any sense, but it is consistent with what DeSantis has been doing in Florida. Let me explain. 
So there is another bill that DeSantis has also been recently responsible for. And, and for me to kind of scale this back for a second, I want everyone to know all of these things I'm referencing have happened within the last like couple of months. This isn't like over the course of his entire career or the course of many years in office. This is just this year. In fact, this is like just in the last 60 days. So he has also signed into law what is called a voting, well, it's a, it's a voting overhaul bill. So let's talk about what's in this voting overhaul bill, because this is fun, everyone. Uh, first, it will, there will be implemented an office of election crimes with 10 law enforcement officers to investigate, quote unquote, election crimes. That's fun. One of the things that also is happening is it makes it a felony, a felony where previously it was a misdemeanor. Now it's a felony to submit more than two vote by mail ballots on behalf of other voters. And it also increases the fine from what was $1,000 to $50,000. Now this next part is even more fun. It also bans the private donations of those who are facing litigation related to the election administration. So check this out. Let's talk about irony or hypocrisy, whichever word you wanna use. Let's talk about it one more time. So a few months ago, there was a convoy of truckers going through Canada. It was something that was being talked about for a hot like week and a half, two weeks. Now, during this time, conservatives were very adamant about a number of different things. But one of the things in particular that I'm going to tie directly into what I just read was that at one point in time, you know, sites like GoFundMe, and I, and I think there was another one, um, another like, I think like Christian-based donation sites that had funds, millions of dollars seized, frozen, I think is probably the more correct word, uh, by the Canadian government. They just would not allow these donations to get to these truckers. And they thought it was absolutely absurd that a government could actually go into a private company and freeze funds, freeze private donations from getting to these truckers. Now, regardless of how you feel about this, Here's the logical inconsistency here. So now this law in Florida is saying that if you, for whatever reason, violate a, a you know, violate any kind of new statute here that is in, that is, you know, like that is being overseen by this election office is considered an election crime. The state of Florida is banning, banning anyone from being able to donate money to you in order for you to face one of these like fines being levied by this election office. So on one hand, it was egregious for government to halt private donations coming to people. But on another hand, it's acceptable for government to halt private donations coming to people. Makes sense, right? Okay. Also, one of the last things that happens here is that this bill will also require voter rolls to be cleaned every single year. Uh, we need to have a whole episode on what the hell is going on with attacking voting rights in this country and how people can on one hand say that I'm, you know, say that they're pro second amendment, but for some reason they're anti voting rights. Apparently some amendments are, are more important than others, but that's, that's also a different, different conversation for a different day. You know, here's the thing that I want to talk about. And, and I've done a whole episode on the 2020 election, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it again and again and again. But this is this is the point I want to drive home here. 
there were over 11 million ballots cast in the state of Florida in 2020, 11 million. Governor DeSantis himself said that the election ran smoothly and there wasn't really any problems. Now, out of 11 million ballots, there were only 262 complaints of potential voter fraud, not proven voter fraud, not definitely voter fraud, but complaints of potential voter fraud, 262 out of 11 million. If you want to scale that down a little bit, just for it to have a little more of an impact, that's three for every 110,000. And because of that, because of that incredibly small amount of not even proven fraud, but potential fraud, they did all of this as a response. All of this was because of that. The same group of people that also had went out of their way to say that, well, COVID has a 99% survival rate. So why are we doing all of this for such a 1%? I just, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how you can be so logically inconsistent, but like again and again and again and again. Like I just, I don't understand it. Anyway, one of the last things that we're seeing here, Governor Ron DeSantis has also, uh, has also basically tried to retaliate against uh, Disney for them coming out being against the uh, the Don't Say Gay bill. They are now trying to dissolve Disney's special tax district, which the company does see as like a, a form of retaliation. So, so what do all these things, you know, mean right now? I am going to say unequivocally, without a doubt, that I believe that Ron DeSantis is going to run for president in the 2024 election. President Trump is probably going to run again. I very likely see that you know, like he will either be challenged by DeSantis or maybe he will know that DeSantis is running and he'll just decide not to run at all. But I, I truly believe that Biden right now, you know, if Biden runs again, he's running again as an 83 year old man. Uh, if we're being 100 percent fair, he hasn't looked he didn't look that great on his last campaign. Um, he spent a lot of time off the campaign trail spent a lot of time at home. Uh, he's, he's, let, let's just be fair to what it is. You know, people say like, oh, it's a conspiracy theory to talk about his mental health. He is a 79, he's an 80 year old man. To think that he's going to run again as an 83 year old man is kind of ridiculous. And it also puts him in office until he's 87. Like, you know, like I, I heard reports recently that Bernie was going to run again, but like the, the same thing applies to him. And he had a heart attack in 2019. I do not believe that Biden runs again in 2024, which puts the Democratic field wide open. But if Biden does run again, he's running again as one of the most unpopular presidents to ever go into his reelection campaign. Uh, Blood is kind of in the water right now. The Republicans smell it. Basically, everyone is aware of the fact that these midterms here in 2022 are going to be a Republican red wave. It's supposed to be a massive one. Uh, I'm not sure if the news about the Supreme Court is going to change that at all. Time will tell. But it is very possible here that DeSantis is making a pivot for his potential run next year 
when he announces. I very much believe he will. I think that a lot of what we're seeing right now from DeSantis is him trying to create a platform for himself for his nomination. Well, for his run for the for the Republican nomination in the 2024 election. I truly do believe that. And I think that in this current climate where Democrats, you know, talked about everything they wanted to do and then absolutely got steamrolled by two senators, you know, Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin, their ability to pitch to voters that they're going to somehow, you know, make the country better is going to kind of fall on deaf ears after they have the White House, the House, and the Senate currently. And it amounts to amount to basically jack shit, if we're being honest with each other. Nothing, sub, nothing substantive came out of the Biden administration thus far, as far as a legislative agenda is concerned. That infrastructure bill, please don't come at me with that. That's mostly a giveaway to corporations, let's be fair. So with that being said, it is very possible that come this time, three years from now, it won't be Governor DeSantis of Florida, It'll be President DeSantis of the United States of America. And I think that all of these different performative, you know, actions, virtue signals, you know, these hypocrisy takes down in Florida are nothing more than a politician trying to lay the foundation for their eventual presidential run. Now, with that being said, we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we're gonna be talking about what exactly is going on with the Supreme Court and are they going to overturn Roe v. Wade? Stay tuned after this break. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us for this latest episode of 
news of the week. If you have liked this episode so far, please share it on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, tag independent thought. Thank you so much for listening. So I'm sure that most of you have heard by now about the news about, about Roe v. Wade, about the Supreme Court. It kind of broke last night. I posted about it on my different social media accounts. It's everywhere right now. So let's kind of dive into exactly what's going on. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time with this because there's not a whole lot that we know. So this is, so I'm going to talk about what we know, brief little speculation. Let's, let's just kind of, let's start with that. So everyone's referencing this piece about this piece in Politico. I will have this piece linked in the episode description. Always check the episode description, everyone. Uh, That is where the links will be. So in this article, I'm just going to read it directly from the article from you. Uh, This was posted last night at 8.32 Eastern time. The Supreme Court has voted to strike down the landmark Roe v. Wade decision. This is according to an initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito. This was circulated inside the court and obtained by Politico. Now, the draft opinion is a full-throated, unflinching repudiation of the 1973 decision, which guaranteed federal constitutional protections of abortion rights and a subsequent 1992 decision, which was Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood, excuse me, uh, v. Casey. Now, that largely maintained the rights. So Alito writes that Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. The majority opinion goes on to say that we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. He writes this in the document and labeled as opinion of the court. It is time to heed the constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. So deliberations on this you know, case have you know, in the past been fluid. Justices you know, can and sometimes do change their votes as they draft opinions and circulate and major decisions can be subject to multiple drafts and vote trading. All that's basically to say that none of this is official as of yet, but this is apparently where they're at today. Uh, So, you know, sometimes, you know, until just days before a decision is unveiled, you know, these things can change is basically what Politico is trying to say in this. So the court's holding will not be the final until it is published This is going to occur sometime within the next couple of months. So the immediate impact, you know, if this was to come out as drafted is the fact that this half century guarantee of the federal constitutional protection of abortion rights and allow each state to decide whether to restrict or ban abortion. It is unclear if there has been subsequent changes to this draft. So why this is incredibly, you know, relevant well, I mean, relevance is the wrong word. Why this is why this particular leak is a big deal is because no draft decision in modern history of the court has been disclosed publicly while the case is still pending. So a leak like this has never occurred before. Uh, whereas, you know, this first like draft coming out has this has never happened. So, but this is giving us basically, you know, a, a view into where the justices' current deliberations are. This article goes on to say that. You know, five of the justices seem to be on board with basically what Alito said, 
and three of them are in dissent and one of them hasn't really made up his mind as of yet. So overturning Roe would essentially allow each state to make up their own laws. So you you basically can you can figure out how this is going to play out. Blue states will keep it legal. Red states will either ban it for the most part, as they have been with these six-week bans, or they'll ban it entirely, like states like Oklahoma have tried to do. Um, some people are afraid that they won't stop with just abortions, that they'll also come after things like uh, birth control, which, you know, I think there's that's a whole different conversation. But in a sense of, you know, what lawmakers, you know, are, are thinking about now, uh, Bernie Sanders came out just last night on his Twitter account and said that, that Roe needs to be codified into law. So as of right now, what's been happening is that every decision has been you know, based off the Supreme Court for the last like five decades. However, what could happen is that the legislative branch, Congress, could just write Roe into law, pass it through the House, pass it through the Senate, have Joe Biden sign it. This is essentially what Bernie Sanders is calling for. He also says that if it gets to the Senate and we can't get 60 votes, that we need to end the filibuster in order to make sure that this becomes a law. Now, there has been conversations in the past about whether or not the filibuster should be uh, gotten rid of. I, you know, on, on this podcast, I have both, I have flip-flopped my position. I started out 2021 believing that the filibuster should uh, remain intact. And over the course of a few months of 2021, I decided that my first thoughts on this were just incorrect. And I now am fully on board with getting rid of the filibuster. I believe it is nothing more than an impediment to getting anything passed in the Senate. I just don't believe it really has any relevance. I think that the party in power should be able to go out and make their laws. You know, the people of the country, you know, put a certain party in power, that party should be able to have the ability to make laws. That's just, that's kind of where I'm at right now. So I am fully on board with getting rid of the filibuster. And as somebody who is pro-choice, I strongly believe in the exact same thing that Bernie Sanders is calling for. I think they should absolutely codify this into law. Uh, you know, one of the things I also want to say here is that this might not, you know, whatever the decision is going to be, it, we might not get it for another month. We might not get it for another two months. So it might be July before the Supreme Court officially rules on this. Now, as of last night, there are people who took to the streets and demonstration in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, there were chants raining down for do something Democrats. I don't know what the Democratic Party is going to do. Everything that makes sense about what they should do never really like translates into what they what they do. So the Democrats are are very good at saying all the right things and doing none of them. Uh, they they have essentially created this apathetic nihilistic states that so many millions of people find themselves in today because we all wanted something to happen and basically nothing substantial has taken place uh, since Biden has taken office, which I guess, if nothing else, 
he did say that during his administration, nothing would fundamentally change. So I guess he's made, you know, made good on that promise. But when it comes to what's going to happen next here, it's really hard to say. Uh, it's hard to say that if the courts will see the public backlash and maybe like it only would take one of them to change their, you know, their uh, approval to a dissent and then essentially flipping it, you know, the other side. So hard to say, really hard to say. Um, we are all kind of in a waiting pattern right now. Uh, it's hard to know what would happen next uh, when that all comes down, other than each state will be able to make their own laws if that were to come into place. So, you know, I think we're all going to have to just stay tuned and just see what happens next. But I think if there was anything that people could do, now would be the time to call your members of Congress. Just call these people and just tell them how you feel about this. Uh, if you are someone who believes that Roe v. Wade needs to be codified into law, which is which means just written into law. We don't need to rely on the Supreme Court to make a decision if you can write it into law. So I do believe that people should do that if they feel very passionate about this subject. Uh, I, I've been saying this for a long time, you know, but really, uh, these people do respond when they get when they get engagement. So writing an email to these people, calling them, I mean, it, seriously, the, the number is 202-224-3121. Call your reps, leave them a voicemail, tell them that you want this voted for. Uh, if you are someone who feels the same way that I do, uh, definitely call these people, email these people. They will, um, they will feel the heat if enough people reach out to them. Because at, at the end of the day, what politicians fear more than anything else is the potentially like losing their their seat in the in the chamber so uh tell them how important this issue is to you uh we're gonna be talking about this more in the future as this comes up i believe i'll probably be having some panels on this on my youtube channel i will also probably be doing an episode on this during this season so this will not be the last time we talk about this if you enjoyed this episode of news of the week again please share it on social media uh regular independent thought episodes will be returning next week. So make sure that you are subscribed. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you in the next one.